It's a challenge, um, very humbling, um, that we have the opportunity to share in what Christ wants us to do. It's, um, it's a blessing when we see impact, and it should be a blessing when even we don't see impact, but it's nice to look around and see that what we've done has made a difference, and uh, thank you for all that you've done in giving and sharing selflessly um, to, to uh, others and uh, what God has done in your life. I'm going to tell you a story to start off uh, this morning. I have a, this, this story is, um, good grief, let me see. Forty years ago, I was, um, if you want to do the math, you can. Forty years ago, I was in college. And um, as I was getting ready to go into college, um, I had a cousin, and her name is Chris. Chris Lindsay. Chris passed away um, unexpectedly, and I was just shocked by, by the loss, but she was about eight years or ten years older than I was. But um, it was, uh, we always had a special connection. When we would get together, we would talk, and she would always say things like, you know, when, when it's my time, I want you to preach my funeral. I said, oh, no, I'm going to go way before you. And we would just jab at each other and have a little bit of fun. And I um, was humbled when I got the call that she had passed. They wanted me to that she had shared with them, she wanted me to do the funeral, so I did. Um, and it was, it's, it's still a shock. I remember we were on the road, we were traveling, and I got a phone call and told me what happened. And uh, so anyway, 40 years ago, um, I was uh, at college. You know how college is. You, you, you're, you're out there, you don't have much money, and when you do get money, it's, it's special and you don't know what to do with it, so you go out and eat, or you do something really stupid with your money, and uh, you know how it is. You don't, you don't put it away thinking, I'll, I'll, this will help to pay a bill. This'll, it's just like, here it goes, and it just always seems to be gone. Well, Chris called, Chris called me up and she said, you know what, I want to I invite you to go out to eat. And I said, where do you want to go? And she said, it's your pick. I don't care where you want to go. You pick, and it's my treat. Well, as a young college kid, I was, I was thinking big in my mind of something that was really, 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 really nice, Red Lobster. And I was like, and this was back in the, you know, the 80s, early 80s. And so Red Lobster was a big deal. 
And I said, Red Lobster. And she said, okay. Well, she came and she picked me up. We went to Columbus and we went to Red Lobster. She made the reservations and everything. And we got in there and we sat down and she said, what do you want to eat? I said, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know what to get. And um, I said, um, I've never had lobster. And uh, she said, well, let's get, why don't you get some lobster? The bill to me was enormous. The, the, um, the money that it takes to eat at Red Lobster at that time. And um, we ate, and boy, I was in heaven. Oh, I loved the lobster and the butter and all of it, which I get in trouble for now, but I just dipping it and eating it, and it was just so good. And Chris, Chris looked at me and she said, I want you to know how special you are. When I think back on my life, there, there's things that you think about and you think this was an impact. This made a difference in who I am today and what I want to do and learning from what they do is what I want to do. Um, that's one of my times. I look back and I say, Chris, Chris made a difference in just wanting to, to give and to, so I, I'm not trying to toot any, my horn or anybody's horn, but there have been times that I've, thinking about what Chris did, I said, let's go out. I'll take care of the meal. I'll, I'll pay for it. And I, I think to myself, this isn't about me. It's about honoring the tradition of what it takes to make an impact in somebody's life. You may have people that you are around, you may not know this, but you are making an impact on their lives. You may say, no, I'm not. I'm just, I don't do that much. It's an impact. Little monies that you give them, uh, little special things that you say, a card that you write, and you send it in the mail, and they get it, and they go, oh, they're thinking about me. These things are special. Today, we're going to talk about John chapter 2. Now, John chapter 2, you may say, what does that have to do with, with all this? This is where Jesus um, performed the first miracle. I want you to think about this, before I read this, the scripture, I want you to think about the things that go into this activity. Jesus was, he was about 30 years old, because we know that this was the beginning of his ministry. And so he was about 30 years old. He wasn't a young teenager, he wasn't a young guy, he'd been out and about doing things we also know that according to John chapter 1, we know that Jesus has already started his ministry in going out to do things. 
matter of fact, it's three days since he has started his ministry. And there are some people that now he has included. And what did he do to, for these people? He just said these things. He said, come and follow me. I want you to think about this. He said, come and follow me. It was an invitation. Invitations are really important, aren't they? When, when you think about invitations, you think about a wedding. You get something in the mail that says, here, this person, these people are getting... I'll tell you what, one thing I really just don't like, and maybe I'm just old-fashioned this way, Facebook. Everybody goes and puts all these things on Facebook about invitations, and I don't get, I don't look, I don't see them. I want the thing in the mail to read what it says, to say, here's what it is, to know that I got it. That's just my personal, personal thing here, but the invitation is special. And I imagine that young people today, when they get their invitation on Facebook, and they put, maybe I'll come, or I'll, I will definitely come, maybe they look at it the same way. I just don't. But the invitation is special. Isn't it nice when you get an invitation? What does it make you feel like? It makes you feel like they didn't have to send me an invitation. They took time out of their busy schedule to write down my name or to write down this personal invitation and send it out to me. It took time to do that. It, it, it took money, finances to send it out. It took, it's going to take preparation for all the activities that they're going to be involved with whatever their invitation is for. But nevertheless, it was an invitation. Now, it says here in this scripture, Jesus was invited to this wedding. It makes me think of um, how important it is that the invitation is. And let me ask you this. Do you realize that you've been invited to be a part of God's family? Do you realize that you've been invited to have your life changed? little bits here and there and growing and becoming more of what God wants you to be do you realize 40 years ago I'm not the same person that I was back then I look at things differently I have more experience with what life is and the challenges and disappointments that come and, that, and, and things that I have to figure out and and do better with but it was an invitation a long time ago that God said, I want you to be a part of my family. So this invitation is important for us to understand that Jesus was invited to this, to this uh, special event. And when we think about invitations, do you invite people that you don't like? Let me think about this. Do you invite people that you don't like? Or do you invite people that mean something special to you? Do you invite an ex-boyfriend to a wedding? 
that you broke up with? Probably not. Do you invite somebody that you don't get along with to a special event in your life? No. You invite a good friend. You invite a co-worker. You invite a supervisor that you get along with, that you have a connection to. But you see, Jesus saw things differently because he invited people that were into his realm, people that were not always the right kind of people. In John chapter 1, we see that he invited Andrew, and we see that he invited Peter, and we see that he invited, um, he invited other people, other young people that had been, a di made a difference that he knew was going to make a difference in somebody's life. Jesus says many times, come and follow after me. Even after his, after his starting of the, his disciples, he had personal invitations. If you remember in, in John chapter, or in Luke chapter 19, he says to Zacchaeus, who was a sinner, he invited him. He said, come down. I'm going to go to your house today. He invited himself to his house, but he knew that Zacchaeus was yearning for an understanding. Even his friend Lazarus, he invited him to come out of his tomb. Even when, we're, even when things are dead, they have to respond to Jesus giving the invitation. There are invitations that Jesus is always saying, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to read John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're not going to go into depth about all of this, but this is our scripture. And I don't know about you, but when I... When I look at the scriptures, I'm always, when the pastor's speaking or when I hear a sermon, I'm opening my Bible and I'm reading, trying to understand what are the words that's coming out? What are the things that he's saying to me? What are the things that I'm noticing that haven't been brought out but that I've never noticed before? And in John chapter 2, we find these words. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does, it cons what does your concern have to do with me my hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. 
Now there were six water pots of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. That's a lot. Think about it, 30, 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This is the beginning of signs, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum, he, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples and they did not stay there many days. So I'm thinking about this whole scenario, Jesus and the disciples going to this wedding and his mother there. And um, there's something special about an invitation. Invitation makes you feel special, makes you feel wanted, makes you feel accepted. An invitation is a powerful way to reach others. A man may invite a lady, an invitation out to a date, out for lunch. A housewife invites a friend over for coffee at her house. A family invites another family to come over for supper and just enjoy a night together. Invitations are important in the Bible as well. Both God and Jesus extends invitations. People extend invitations to their own families and their own friends. Jesus and his disciples were invited to this event. Now, I said already that Nathaniel, Peter, Andrew, Philip, that's all in John chapter 1. And if you remember also in John chapter 1, this is when Jesus goes and he gets baptized. John the Baptist is there. John was one of his disciples, although he wasn't one of the apostles. But he was a disciple, and so John may be included in this. He and his disciples were invited to this, to this wedding. I want you to notice three things Three things about this introduction in this wedding. First of all, an introduction or, or an invitation says something about the person. It says, it says, as I said before, he was 30, he was single. He now has a group of friends that he's responsible for. And 
you don't have to be elderly to make an impact. I don't know about you, but Josiah, you made an impact today in this service by singing and sharing your song. Thank you for the verse that you wrote. That was special. Um, but my question to each one of us then is, invitations, they say how we have impacted somebody else. So what kind of person are you that you might get an invitation to something? Can people trust you? Can they rely on you promised, you said you would do this, you did it. Can they see that you're not only a good person, but you have good morality because of your life in Jesus Christ? Are your motives self-oriented? Is it what am I going to get for this for myself, or is it am I doing this for others? We emulate good traits that we see in others, and we see those things and incorporate them into our own lives. By Jesus getting invited to this wedding, it says what kind of a person that he was. It should say what kind of people are we when we get invitations and we get asked to do something special. Secondly, the attendance of Jesus to the wedding says something about the impact by what we do. Jesus made an impact on this wedding feast by what he did. How do we impact others' lives? We can either be a positive impact or we can have a negative impact. Jesus could have said, I am not going to do it. Matter of fact, he said to his mother, what, do you, what does this have to do with me? Why are you asking me? In my mind, Jesus then went to the Father and said, Father, what do you want me to do? His mother didn't change his mind. His thinking about doing the Father's will changed his mind. Have you ever done something because somebody told you to do it or encouraged you to do it, which you really didn't want to do, but then there's a difference when somebody says, will you do this? And you say, I want you to know I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for another reason. I'm embarrassed by the times that I regret things that I said or things that I did and made an impact on somebody else's life. But sometimes I, I cry over what I've done that have hurt other people's feelings and what they've gone through. I try to do the right thing but as I shared a couple weeks ago, sometimes I deceive myself and I try to think that I'm better than what I am. And God says, I want you to be better because of me, not because of you. I want you to be better because of how I've impacted your life, 
not by what you've done. So I want to let you know, two weeks ago, I said to some of you during the special, when I spoke during the concert that we had here by Chosen, I said, I have not, I uh, snuck candy the night before, and I want to let you know that I haven't snuck any candy since then. I've tried, I've tried to be more honest with myself. Now, granted, I've gone to those places that I know that they are hiding secretly candy. And I've looked and I've said to myself, I cannot do this. So a change has been made in my heart as of 1140 right now. Okay. Number three, third thing is the invitation says something about when we invite Jesus into our lives. Do we ask him to get involved? I want you to see there is a problem. There's a problem here in John chapter 2. They have no wine. You're thinking, how big of a deal is this? This was a big deal because their, their activities lasted for days. And so it wasn't just enough wine just for this two-hour time period, but it was enough wine for days. And so if somebody ran out of wine, it's because they didn't do very well planning, and it looks bad on the bridegroom and the master of the ceremonies. I want you to think about these things. They have no wine. Mary must have been part of the crew that was helping do the serving. Why else would she come to Jesus and say, they have no wine? She had to be involved some way. And she took upon herself, some mothers do this took it upon herself to maybe share with Jesus, guess what I just heard? I just heard they've got no wine. No, this isn't how I think it was. I think she was trying to help the situation. So here's the question that I would ask each one of us. Do we take our problems to Jesus? Or do we try to take care of them ourselves? In my own life, I try to resolve problems on my own. Our first indication is to not trust anyone, but to do it ourselves. Only when we get to the bottom of the barrel, the clay pot, do we take it to God. Even Jesus told her that it wasn't his problem. His father must have guided him into making the difference. Because later in John, John chapter 5, Jesus says these words, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son of Man can't do anything in himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. John chapter 5 again, I can do nothing of myself. I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who has sent me. 
John chapter 8, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. John chapter 8 again, for I always do things that please him. God help us to realize that we can't do anything on our own. We need to take it to God. We think that we're in control, and we are not. God wants us to realize that he is in control. Notice that she has so much confidence in what Jesus says that she says this to the servants. She must have had some impact again to say to the servants, do whatever he tells you. If she were trying to get glory for herself, she would have said, as soon as Jesus tells me what to do, I'll tell you, and then you can do it. She said, do whatever he tells you to do. She was giving it up to him. She said, it's not up to me. I'm not in charge of this. This is all him. No, God help us. When we say, it's not up to me, it's not up to the doctors, it's not up to somebody else to do it, it's up to you, God, and I want to trust you. It's not to glorify herself, but it was to glorify him. Too often, we want to take credit for what God is doing in our lives and not giving glory back to him. Have you ever heard of the name Johann Sebastian Bach? Johann Sebastian Bach, he was a music writer, composer, and here's what he says, all music should have no other end or aim than to glorify God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. He headed his compositions with JJ, which stood for Jesus Juva, which means Jesus help me. And he ended them with SDG, Soli De, De Gratia, which means to God alone be the praise. You see, when we realize it's not up to us, but it's up to God, we look at things totally differently. Now, can we see what Jesus does when we turn our problems over to him? What did he do with Mary when she turned the problem over to him? This is exciting to me. He went to the servants, and he said, I want to get you involved. I want you to fill the water pots. Jesus could have just done some motion and the water pots would have been full. Jesus could have done anything that he wanted, but he said to the servants, go fill the water pots with water. And what did they do? 
They filled them to the brim. There wasn't room to put any country time lemonade mix in it. There was no room to put in, in uh, Kool-Aid mixture that would mix it up and give us a special drink. There was, no, there was nothing like this. There was water pots filled to the brim with water, and the servants knew it. Aren't you thankful when God gets you involved in something special? And you say, I get to be a part of this. This is going to make a difference. God help us to realize when we're part of something bigger than what we understand ourselves. God help us to realize that we can make a difference in other people's lives just by getting involved with different things. We may not see the results, the end results, but we can be thankful that God got us involved. I imagine what the servants were saying when he said to them right after that, he said, now, take the water and take it to the master. We're just taking water? Okay. If that's what you want, take it to him. He pours it out. And probably the servants are thinking, oh, great. We're going to be in real trouble because we've given the master water. And all of a sudden, the master says, go get the bridegroom. And he says, most of the time, people save this for the last, the good wine, the good stuff. But you have served it first. I can imagine that those servants are going, what did you put in it? What did you do? What, what, what was the difference? It had to be passed around. That because of what Jesus did there, he entrusted so much that God his Father was going to take care of it that he involved the servants and said, I want you to go ahead and fill the pots, and I want you to take them. I'm thankful when God allows us to be involved. I want you to think about there's four different groups, three different groups, that were, four that were affected. The woman was affected because she trusted in God. Do we trust in God? She believed in what Jesus could do. Do we trust in what Jesus can do? Second group. First of all, when we run out of supplies, do we ask God? Or do we just figure out another way around it? Second group, servants. They followed the orders and were impacted by the change. They did what they were supposed to do, and then they were impacted because they followed what they were supposed to do. Did they do something special? No. They just followed. Aren't you thankful? Sometimes God says, I want you to do this, 
And you say, but why? Why do I have to do this? And he says, just do it. I remember a story that my, da- my daughter Allison told us, no, it was Christy. She went to hear some lady speak, and this lady, I think I've said this before, this lady was driving, and she, she felt impressed to go into this 7-Eleven and go into the corner and do a, do a headstand. And she's like, why? This is... Why would I do this? She just felt so impressed to do this. She went in. She found the 7-Eleven. She pulled in. She went over in the corner. She got up on her, hand, on, her, on her head and did a handstand in the corner. And then she got back down and she started to walk out. And the guy at the counter said, oh, why did you do that? Why did you do that? She said, God told me to do it. He said, I was just praying. I'm so in so much pain. I said, if you're really real, have somebody come in and do a headstand in the corner. God help us when we just follow what he tells us to do. Sometimes we want to know the reason. We don't need to know the reason. God is in control. We need to follow what God wants us to do. Third person, the master of the feast. He's amazed that this happened. Have you ever sat back and you're just amazed at how it's been orchestrated? And it's just beautiful to see it. And you're going, God is so good. The fourth person, the disciples. It says that when they went away, they believed. Remember, this was three days after they had just been called. Imagine there was some questions about who Jesus really was still. This just solidified their belief. So just as this said at the end there in the scripture, it said, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. My question to you is, is this the beginning of signs in your life if you just trust in God and allow him to work?